This is the Evolution Exchange podcast, a channel that connects some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Andy. I help connect businesses with the best UX and UI freelance talent. And today I'm your host. Okay, and welcome back to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. And today we're going to be discussing the topic, creating high performance teams. So before we delve deeper into the topic, we're going to work around the room with some introductions. So, Patty, will you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Patty Toledo. I'm the Director of Developer Relations at Yahaha and also uh, the leader from the Game Hub in Mid-Sweden, Vasta Nordland, and the leader of IDDA Sweden. I'm Brazilian. I have been living in Sweden for a year, so I'm pretty new here and I'm Thank you for inviting me. Not a problem. Thank you very much. Let's head over to Marcus. Hey guys, my name is Marcus. I'm the CEO for a company called Gang. Uh, We're fairly newly started company, started a couple of years ago, focusing entirely on uh, building games for Roblox. Uh, And we are growing in a fast pace. Uh, We started up with only a few people, five people. We are now closing, um, I think we're getting up to 40 uh, and um, doing, we're doing well. <laughs> nice, lovely. Diana, let's come to you. Okay, hi, my name is Diana Donato. I am the animation director at Star Breeze Studios. Uh, what can I say? It's been a year that I've been here, like um, um, my colleague, um, and yeah, like Patty. And yeah, I'm having a blast for now. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, Rickard, lastly, please will you introduce yourself for us? I'm the CEO of AdventureBox. We're a game platform where users create games for other users. Um, I've been in the company for three years. We took it to Nasdaq two years ago. And that was a fun thing to do, I should say. And um, we're probably, I think we'd say we're doing rather good. Um, and thanks for inviting. I, I look forward to this. Not a problem. Okay, brilliant. Well, uh, it's good to get a bit of context for you all. So we're going to dig deeper into the questions we have uh, today from the four guests all about creating high performance teams. So to kick us off first, we're going to head over to Marcus. Please, can you give us your question? Of course. Uh, My question is how to create a high performance team uh, while working remotely. Uh, Most companies in the world, of course, has been working remotely during the pandemic. And um, it probably is quite a, a shift for most companies. So how do you manage the follow-ups? And uh, more importantly, how do you keep everyone excited to uh, kind of continue to push forward and deliver uh, to the maximum capacity uh, if you're not sitting in the same room? Okay, then. Well, uh, let's hear from Patty first on that, then. Uh, first of all, I think I failed on my introduction deeply, but now that ship has sailed, <laughs> I forgot to say what my company does. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on, on the remote work, I think it's all about communications. I have been really lucky that I have been working on remote companies for the last eight years. So it's not like a pandemic thing. It has always been remote. And the secret that all the companies I work on have to to keep the productivity high is to have a very open communication and to make sure that everybody in the team is listened to, that their ideas are taken into consideration, and also a balance of 
making people feel important uh, overall, because that's what will keep people excited. If they feel that they have no connection with the team members and that their ideas are not being heard, they will just like check out of, of the whole process. But when they feel engaged in the whole development process, they it's easier for them to feel that even remotely they are important for the, the overall product. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, Diana, what do you think about this? Well, for me, it's a little bit different because even though we have the pandemic and everything, uh, animation-wise, we have to deal with mock-up and I cannot send everybody in a mock-up studio. Um, So we kind of do mixed uh, thing. Um, My juniors, I have them in studio from the very beginning, um, as well as my mid-levels, because it's much easier to do all the follow-up. Animation is movement and you have to, you know, kind of look up on over their shoulder most of the time to see if that works. Um, Then my seniors that I have at a distance, I mean, they know pretty much their work, so they're pretty autonomous and they come in and out to to do their mocap sessions and, and then go back to work and take the data. So for me, it has been hybrid from the beginning. Um, But I think, yeah, I do join Tara. It it has to be an open communication. We have to trust each other even more than when we're in the studio, because in the studio, we read people when they're passing by you talking to them, rather than, you know, whether you have a camera on or off, you don't read them that well. Uh, you know what they're up to, you know what they're doing, you cannot even take a cup of tea like you do in a studio. So yeah, <laughs> communication is and, and being able to be very open. Um, I think, yeah, she's right. That is the key to it. I think you made a really interesting point there where you said it's very muchly, much based around trust. That's, a, that's an interesting aspect because you don't really think about that when remote working. Um, but it's a massive aspect, isn't it, I suppose, because you've got to make sure you can't really check up on someone if they're not just right next to you or in the office. You have to trust that they'll do that work. Um, yeah. So, Rika, what do you think about that? I think really you just said it. It's trust. And it's a new kind of trust now after the pandemic when it's half remote or half not. Um, I just mentioned this before to some people that if somebody would tell me uh, as a new employee somewhere that I needed to be at the office five days a week. Two years ago, I would not have thought about it, of course. Now I would never go to that company, ever. And that's a complete new trust then, that I, as a manager, need to trust them to do their work. And sometimes I have a hard time trusting people when I don't see any work. And that's a risk, because maybe they just do something I cannot see, and then it becomes difficult. And then I believe that you need to be open and frank and actually just contact this person and say, this is, I have a problem with trust right now. And some people then really hate when you do that uh, because that's being, that's an awful discussion where it's actually just an open question. I don't see what you're doing because I don't sit beside you. And, and that's a cultural thing. And since we're all individuals, some people will take that as a, as a not as a broken trust, whereas some people will just say, "Well, I did this, or I didn't have time. I did my laundry just now," <laughs> because both are fine answers. If it's, uh, but they don't need to be fine answers. I mean, keeping it uh, like within creating a high performance team, the topic. So I'll, I'll put this to you, Marcus, since you asked the question. If 
you know, someone said that like nowadays most people do want to work remotely at least some some of the time, some some days of the week. Would you consider that like creating a high performance team if they work more efficiently working at home? Well, well, I can I can answer from our perspective um, because it's quite easy. We we actually put up our entire company uh, remotely and said that, and um, we did it just pre-pandemic. Okay, mm -hmm. so right from the from the bat, we we started the company with the culture that anyone could work from anywhere they want, and um, we actually created a culture that. Um, we had an office so people could go to the office if they wanted um, but no one was there because everyone wanted to work wherever they wanted to work mm -hmm. so um, so what we did was that we tried to replicate instead uh, an office environment digitally so we set up on discord and uh, everyone goes into the kind of virtual office every single morning go into their channels sit together with the team talk constantly during the day and if they need to sit alone they sit in a silent channel because then we have access to everyone and then mm -hmm. we um, try to talk all the time and try to come to keep uh, a fun environment so to answer your question uh, yeah i would <laughs> because <laughs> we are doing it <laughs> and uh, and uh, it is it is working extremely well i think and the, and another good aspect of it is that we are not bound to just hire people in the regional place uh, we can actually hire people anywhere in the world by having uh, that remote this work in yeah this luxury yeah. and the last person i hired was in africa so wow. it's interesting that you said that uh you were starting up like the company in that structure of remote working before the pandemic because i think a lot of companies have been either reactive towards like the pandemic has forced people to work remotely and now it's set a trend where people don't want to come into the office all the time whether that be you know fears from covid or now it's settled down a little bit they've just got used to that way of that lifestyle what was it like within your decision process beforehand before covid because that would have been at the time if covid hadn't had happened that would have been quite an unusual way of working so what was your decision process for that to make that decision that, that was actually a selfish decision on my behalf. Um, I've, I've been part of a few startups that have been going uh, fairly well, and the last one extremely well. Mm. And uh, then I haven't been focusing on working that much for a few years. And uh, now when I started up this one uh, together with other guys, I said that I don't really know where I'm going to live in the world. Uh, so I, I cannot uh, take part of a of a new startup where I'm bound to sit in a specific office in a specific country because I I will and uh, need to have the flexibility to actually sit wherever mm. and then we said that and it doesn't feel fair that it's oh there is only me who get this opportunity so um, we said with other ones that let's do it for everyone and and to be fair we didn't really believe that this company would grow as it does <laughs> Uh, we we just wanted to have a small company and uh, we were happy if we were going around and just had salary for all the founders. That was kind of our idea in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose there's definitely an argument then for creating high performance teams if the whole team's remote <laughs> and then you're doing really well out of it. So uh, before we, you know, move on, Patty, just come in again with your thoughts on what's been said there. Um. I, I, uh, one thing I wanted to say is it's not very uncommon 
pre-pandemic for people to be remote. There are a lot of okay. uh, really known companies that have been work, especially in game business. It's fairly common to have fully remote companies. Uh, like I have loads of friends that do that. And it is also connected not only with the, what Marcus said, but also with the fact that you can have a better quality of life if you're not forced to live in the city where the company is. Mm -hmm. What happens if I want to work? Like, let's imagine Marcus has this great company. I would love to work, but I hate the city he lives in. So it puts me in a situation where I'm forced to move or I will never be able to work with, with a good company. And, and that shouldn't be like that at all. And the other hand is the same for the company. There are these amazing talents around the world. Why do you have to limit yourself in having only the talent on your regional uh, area, in your region? And, and if you are focusing on having high productivity teams, having the best talents is a really strong point for that. And being open for this kind of setup can help yeah. a lot. Yeah, and go on, Ricard, what were you going to say? Well, I, I was thinking that I've had the experience, this is really a cultural issue because they're individuals. And the, when growing a team and you meet different cultures, you need to treat each person as an individual. And that suddenly becomes hard. So it's a managerial, it's a management perspective here. Some people need to be controlled and expects to be controlled many times per day. Some people do not. And that's a really hard shift when moving from a few people where you just do what you should do to growing to a real company. And this is an issue I haven't solved, but it's it's a problem. It would be much if easier if all people were robots and just did what you should. And then you would say creativity is for somebody else. But that's not how it works. And it would be much less productive in the long run. So the, this is a management issue, I think. And it needs to, there are no management books in this subject yet. Go on, Pai. Uh, I will fix my, my mistake, my initial mistake and answer regard. <laughs> like the uh, Yahaha, which is the company I work on, we're creating this UGC platform and we have over a hundred people in China, but all the managerial, like all the managers in Finland. So completely separated parts of the company and yeah. people working remote and sometimes in company. I think um, I agree with you culturally, it can be quite complicated to deal with that, but the best way, and it goes back to the first question, is communication is creating these little hubs where the people that need to be controlled more often they can work together and they control each other the people that work better uh, autonomously they are given their choice to do their own thing and then report it's it's being flexible to adapt based on the cultural differences and the personal differences because also you can be from a country and have a completely different personality from the 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 country. Mm -hmm. um, it is doable. I agree with you. It's not as easy as as if you everybody is homogeneous, but I think uh, and I'm going to say being homogeneous also has other problems. So yeah. <laughs> but being flexible is the key in this point of adapting certain small groups based on the necessity of that those people to, to make it work. 
Nice, nice. Is there anyone want to jump in any final points before we uh, before we move on to the next question? Marcus, you, uh, have you you know taken something from that? I hope. Yeah, I, I did, I did, and um, and I also I fully agree on the last statement there that uh, to create small teams within the team is super super important, uh, and I can add to that one to also have different levels of experience and knowledge uh, within each team as well uh, is a key because you might have a few juniors and as just as if you hire a junior in and you sit in the office it's the same thing there uh, they are going to run in some direction and uh, a lot of time because they want to do stuff and uh, they're super keen to deliver but it's not always that they are running in the right direction <laughs> so you kind of need to keep them back sometimes and same thing here and uh, you, you kind of need to create a team within the team and you need to be able to scale so you're going to have some people that are showing that they can deliver themselves and then put them together with the other ones <laughs> brilliant okay well let's uh let's change direction slightly then from uh what we were talking about there and we'll go into our next question which is going to come from patty so please will you give us the next question I, I will disappoint you completely because we're not moving in any different direction. Uh, my question is, how can us leaders better deal with the mental health and balance a positive company culture and performance while managing multicultural diverse teams, especially as we were talking, if you're talking remote or hybrid, everybody has different setups. So. How do okay. you think we can balance this mental health culture and position at the same time? Okay, yeah, interesting because obviously massive aspects that relates to performance and then within creating high performance teams, you need to make sure that all your, you know, the workers, the part of the team are operating efficiently, are feeling healthy, are feeling the benefits um, from a good work-life balance. So very interesting uh, sort of subtopic to tackle. So let's hear from Diana on uh, your <laughs> initial thoughts on this question. I um, On this question, I would say, again, it comes back to what I said at the beginning, um, trust. Um, you have to have open-minded people on the other side, um, even if you're the manager, and they have to be able to speak to you when they're not okay. Uh, also, you have to kind of flag where they are like not performing, when they're performing in which way, whatever way it is, and, and, and see with them what the issue is. Um, if it's a personal issue, if it's a you know company issue, is if working from home is not the thing and they need to go into a studio, what is it uh, to be able to kind of solve the issue? Is it a cultural thing, and therefore um, uh, maybe team up with somebody who's like has a culture close to you and then you feel more at home more like homey kind of thing uh what it could be you can only act if you know what's going on and the only person that can tell you that is the one who's having the issue so, so. you'd suggest like creating uh, a sort of culture that sort of presents that the people who are feeling these issues can openly come and like suggest yeah. these things yeah, and, and, and again, no judgment. Uh, it's just, you know, why why is that so? And it could be also that they they don't want to be there anymore, that they want to go somewhere else, and therefore you probably have to help them out too. And uh, I think 
uh, that is a question where trust comes kicks in quite hard. I mean, is is really the the key of it? Mm -hmm. Okay, um, Rickard, go on then. Well, we shouldn't forget that it's it's also the trust of when people overperform. I've seen quite a few times actually people that do work from home and they feel they need to produce, need to produce, and in the end they're not doing good at all. They actually break down as people, and that's not a valuable employee and it's hard to communicate that they are not valuable if they break down because mm -hmm. it's it comes from within so this this trust is two-sided it's not just underperforming it's also overachieving mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True. yeah no i i just want to jump in on the mental health aspect as well that you uh, put into the question and i think that, that's quite interesting because it's, of course, difficult to see how people are feeling um, when you don't sit in the same room. It's way it can be difficult then as well, <laughs> but mm -hmm. it's it's uh, way more easy to see it when you when they sit in front of you, uh, apart from when they sit and uh, just talk to you. And uh, the way we try to tackle it in a way is that we um, we try to incentivize a few things in order to uh, keep kind of a a healthy lifestyle and uh, and in prolonging a healthy also environment for the entire company and that is that a we don't want people to work too much and uh, if i see people are sitting up in the evenings we are telling them not to <laughs> do it because it, it's yeah because if you if you're frank uh, if you're working uh, 10 hours and the 11th hour when you sit and work you're not going to produce anything so it's better to work eight hours productively each day instead of mm -hmm instead of actually working too many hours and not produce so much. And the second thing is that help them to pay for uh, uh, health activities, gym cards, etc., all these kind of things. Make sure they don't they do not have to pay for it themselves. And it's quite common in Sweden. Uh, there are a few countries that also have it, but uh, there are some countries never ever heard of it. Mm. And mm. and we, we do it regardless of where people are. And I, I think that's kind of a good thing as well, that we want them to actually do something else than just sit in, uh, in front of the computer. Yeah, and yeah. No, from my, just from my perspective, what you said there about like paying for a gym membership or something, just the, my company Evolution does that for us. Like we get a free gym membership and I've loved that part of it. Like I, I'm really into it at the minute and uh, probably something I don't think I would have been bothered with too much if it, if it wasn't that case that it was free and I was able to do it. Uh, but it, for my mental health, I think it's been brilliant and uh, I'd probably related to my performance as well. So was, yeah, just thought it was an interesting aspect that you said there. Go on, Patty, what, what were you going to say? I, I think all the points you did was very valid. I just wanted to, to add something to the question and see what you think. It, how do you deal with the people that even though the communication is open, the channel is there, the people can talk, you're not going to judge them, they're not going to be punished by being uh, upset, everything is done by the book, but still there are people that will have difficulty open up just because it either because their culture is not normal for them to complain about that for the bosses. Sometimes it's a personal thing. I see by my husband, he burned down, but he wouldn't, until the time that he wanted to kill people so tired he was, he wouldn't say anything. And, and it's not because his company was bad or because he, he couldn't. 
he literally couldn't tell people how he felt. Even to me, I had to see other signs. So what would be your advice for, for companies that have people like that? There are great employees, but they are not going to be able to express. And that is not even if it is remote or in, in office, they wouldn't be able to express even if they were in the office together. It's a, it's a definitely a very, uh, you know, quite a difficult thing to, to answer because, and it's a very important thing to answer. Does anyone, you know, want to have a, have a shot at it? On, there is one shot oh, I could Rick, say. Sorry. Oh. Um, there are, and I've actually tried this, there are tools, I mean, now we're speaking virtual, I mean, apps and similar, where we kind of meant, which looks at your mental status. And they actually do work. There is science beside it, and and they're built on science. And and when you get the feeling that something is wrong from based from previous experiences, usually something is wrong. And it could be alcohol, it could be breakdown of a marriage, or it could just be that the person tries to achieve too much. And when you get that feeling, you it's an alert bell which is really, really, really serious. And you need to consider it very much. And it's awful because it consumes much more time than a happy employee. <laughs> but it's actually worth it. And it's not just as a manager, it as a human being, it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Go on, Marcus. No, I, I fully, I fully, first of all, I have to say, sometimes it can be uh, totally impossible to spot. and. Um, uh, some people are extremely good at hiding how they mm. feel and uh, and then then you might not be able to spot it at all but I, but i would i would kind of if person has a depression i've been working with uh, quite a lot of people who had a lot of issues in uh, former companies and uh, it's kind of you see signs you see kind of like or, or people lacking motivation, for example, um, did it use to deliver better? And now they are do not. So you see kind of trend differences. It can also be that they feel bad uh, because something happened uh, during the period of time in their life, of course, uh, but do they seem tired when you speak to them? Uh, lack of sleep, these kind of normal things, uh, but you always have to look into it from kind of what was the how how were the person before and how do they act now? And if it's a huge change or if you see a change in the behavior or in the delivery, then it's usually something that you can talk about. And and what we have tried to do before is that we usually said that you don't have to talk to me, uh, but talk to someone, and we can also pay for um, for consultancy with. Uh, uh, medical advice or whatever it might be, and mm -hmm. the, the company takes that. But uh, it's better you talk to someone. I mean, fully understand a... you do not want to talk to me because I'm the boss or I'm the coworker or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really, really brilliant like incentive, and I think that relates a little bit to what Diana was saying earlier about the the element of trust. Like, they they might not trust you might not have to build that trust up enough. And what Patty was saying, like, even you mm. can have all these aspects in place, but you might not have to build that trust up enough for them to come and talk to you. But if they trust you enough just to say, 
I could I could do with talking to somebody else. If you could facilitate that, then that's massive, and that could be you know huge for their their mental health, and then going forward their like quality of uh, like working and life balance and all the rest of it. Um, go on, Patty. What what do you want to jump in? Well, I don't know if Diana wanted to say something first. Sorry, Diana. If well, I that's fine. Uh, Go for it. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would come, I agree with all of you, but I think it, I would also add that it's important, especially if it is a person that is naturally quiet and you know, because when you hired the person, you had the interview, you know how the you work with this person, you know that the person is quiet, is not to put too much on the spot. A lot of people, they feel more threatened and, and feel worse if they are put like, oh, you are depressed. You have a problem. Go talk to a professional. They they immediately feel like, oh, I'm going to be dismissed, like I'm, I'm doing something wrong, uh, like b- putting the spotlight. And I think it's important to... to to realize that we're not trying to find all the solutions here. And plus the the panel is not about mental health. And I'm really sorry because we're going to go forever on that. Yeah. But just to know that as a manager, if you're dealing with the team and you want to keep the productivity high, you have to keep an open mind about how you're going to do and that each individual is different and you have to be open to adapt and change. You're not going to find a magic solution, but if you show that you're willing to work with your team, the team is going to be willing to work back with you. I do think so. I had, I can give you an example of something like that. I had a, when I arrived at um, Starbreeze, I had one of my technical animators, I said hello to him and it took him four hours to say hello back. Uh, since then, uh, today he conducts interviews. Uh, he has somebody under his wing. Uh, he uh, he does wrestling mm-hmm. for somebody who doesn't. Uh, I mean, and we went to see him and support him. Uh, so um, he's been doing pretty well. The only thing that I probably did with him. As again, I showed him I can trust him that he can speak to me that I'm there and whenever he wanted to take a step forward that I will support him. Uh, and whatever decision he makes, because after all, he is the one who feels bad. If he wants to tell, speak to me, fine. If he wants help from somebody else, okay. And I will make room and time for him to be able to do it. I think the fact that he feels supported and comfortable uh, helped him to open up and become the the guy that he is today. And believe me, there's 180, you know, no, even 360 change uh, in who he was and how he is today. And his work, um, I mean, I think uh, when I started out with him, he was okay or by he was just doing his job. But today he takes initiatives, he moves forward, he comes with ideas, he all boosts up. So I think it's also about supporting and trusting our guys. And when they tell us something, even if they don't want to, yeah, I'll make room for you. I'll take, you know, I support you in whatever decision you make in order for you to feel better and move forward. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, really, really good uh, good to hear that. And uh, hopefully that, you know, offers some help and some advice for anybody else that would be listening in terms of like managers and ways you can set up to help support the rest of the team as well. Um, so thank you for that, Patty, because it was a, I know it was a little bit of a tangent off to from the question, but a really good point uh, nonetheless. So 
we'll change uh well, well we'll sort of stick with the theme of remote working slightly but we're going to change uh into diana's question so diana please can you uh give us your question uh yeah my question was um while working remotely or in a hybrid kind of environment uh what what can you do or how can you assess uh, your team's um you know uh needs uh if they need anything if they while they're underperforming or overperforming which is really true when they're overperforming how can you assess that how can you can you say okay this is the best solution for you while working or this is not a good solution and we have to work this out you as a manager how can you deal with that Okay, and uh, I'm going to flip this around before we go on to anybody else then, Diana, I'm going to get your opinion on your own question and think how, you know, what do you think is, is the, like the, the way to go about it? I think I've said it like a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, I, again, uh, for me, it's just, you know, be able to communicate, which was already mentioned. Um, trust and I think supporting your team and for my, on my side uh, I don't know how you guys measure uh, the 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 fact that somebody's working I mean they're doing overperforming or underperforming for me it's pretty easy it's just able to to go in and see his animation work uh, in that sense and and how he has been um, productive in within the time that we we give him which is a pretty straightforward kind of thing um, and 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 I deal with something that is artistic also. So you everybody has you know more or less the opinion of how artistic it could be, how technical it could be, uh, and how good it looks. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's pretty easy to kind of assess when they're over or underperforming uh, uh, in that sense. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think. What I have been doing in that sense is is try to make them work just a normal time uh, when I need them to, you know, kick the I kick them out. Uh, <laughs> the ones in the studio, uh, I kick them out, and when I see they're like staying over time, whatever, uh, Friday afternoon, you know, because it's Friday, I let them go a little bit early. Try to regulate their schedules because they're still young for the ones that I have uh, in the studio, and the other ones outside is. You know, by talking to them and 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 see more or less when they get into uh, Slack or whatever channel you use, uh, Discord or whatever, and try to assess because I got guys who go up to 60 to 80 hours a week, and wow. that is not right. That is yeah. not. Even they love their job. <laughs> that is not yeah, right. It's too much for anyone. <laughs> no, as soon as you were saying the question, I, I was thinking, yeah, there, there must be an element of trust in this as well. Um, but this will be interesting to hear from you, Marcus, from like a sort of KPIs perspective, uh, you know, especially working remotely. How, how do you measure that? How do you, you know, sort of monitor that? Uh, team wise, uh, what, what we usually do is that we uh, first of all, we need to have a very clear and uh, organized structure uh, while working remotely, of course, and uh, looking into uh, when we are doing something to uh, specify exactly what are we going to do uh what is the team that is going to do it do we have the right competences within the team and um, do we also have all the levels because we have kind of three levels uh, uh senior mid-level and then we have the junior ones coming in uh, but and assess if they have everything 
we usually do follow-ups. So we do uh, we do uh, kind of stand-ups, we do follow-ups, uh, and to see where are we, and uh, trying to see kind of in the end where are we going to go, uh, what is the game going to be, uh, because we are building games. So <laughs> and. Uh, uh, so what what is the game going to be about? And our our productions are usually not that long uh, compared to uh, AAA uh, games, for example. So we are they're fairly short. Um, so what we do is that we look into the end, and then we go backwards, and then we break down everything, and then we can spot quite early on to see are we on the right path? Are we actually delivering? And if we are not, then we can always go to the team. And uh, this is related to the question to kind of see the KPI wise. Uh, have we delivered what we should deliver on up until this date? Otherwise, we always go to the team and then we talk to them and see why are we not there? Uh, we, we might be further or we might be behind, but then always talk to them to see do they actually have what they need? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, have we not given them, if there's something they are lacking from our side, uh, maybe uh, something took longer, etc. And then trying to kind of metal and fix uh, during the production. But, but it, it is, of course, difficult to, uh, to spot everything and to have specific KPIs when it comes mm -hmm. to uh, teams like this. Yeah. Go on, Rickard. Well, uh, I should say this is, the I would say, the hardest part, because if you, if you know what you've developed and you've developed similar stuff before, then it's the, rather straightforward. You just do it again. But if you go into unknown territory, it suddenly becomes much more advanced, I would say. And spotting if somebody's performing when you don't know if it's going to take a few days or a few weeks is hard, to say the least. Uh, I would, and I would say this is where, again, we said we've said the word trust really many times, and this is where it comes in again. But it's um, this is one of the hardest part I know about teamwork because this is where you need to trust that people are doing what they should and have what they tools they need and communicate if they don't have you need to have all this in place not just one part and that's usually there's something wrong there um, because you don't have a perfect environment all the time. So usually you should expect that you have something not perfect, mm -hmm. which, which is a problem in itself, I would say. <laughs> Go on, uh, Patty, let's hear from you. Oh, the funny part, I'm listening to Marcus and Ricardo, and I'm thinking that for me, that's not very different from the development environment when you are in office as well, because people can sit in their computers and do stuff really fast or really slow or like I, I I understand that that you still have a difficulty of not being able to go see but if you are the helicopter boss always looking on top of the computer and what the developer is doing that also won't work people will be super intimidated and and nothing will be done so I think the lesson that we can learn from this remote environment and pandemic for the people that never worked remote is the things that you are doing because it's a remote work, all the communication, all the trust, all it's something that you should learn and do independent of the environment you are in. You have to build a team that you can trust 
and they trust you to, to tell you what they need. And you have to be able to talk to them at some at, at all times in a respectful and friendly manner. I don't mean people have to be extremely good friends and go to the pub and have a drink every day after work, but they have to be able to talk to each other in a way that is people understand is not offensive and it's constructive and it's for the good. And it comes with the fact that everybody's working in that company because they love what they're doing and they love the company and they want to build something great. And so I, it's not a solution, but it's just saying, <laughs> yeah, I, I think in the end, it doesn't really matter if it is remote or in, in person. It, the the base is the same. I think we're going to be, as I said, we're going to have this, as we now call post-corona. I think this is the way it's going to be because it is much more effective. We've said in our offices, we work Tuesdays and Thursdays from the office if you are in the country. And uh, maybe uh, roughly 60% are in the country. And, uh, and that works rather fine. I would say it works very fine, actually. Um, I still believe 10 years from now, we're going to look back and say, oh, how could they do this? They should have thought about this. <laughs> because we're going to be better at this in a few years. This is new for all of us. Yeah, yeah. Still, yeah, it's still like quite fresh, isn't it? Like we're not... Yeah. fully even out of it to yeah. like by any means so it we are still learning um but no it's a it's a really good uh question so thank you diana for that um we'll we'll go into our last question before we wrap up uh which is uh from ricard so please will you give us your question well uh, this comes more into people and as individuals because this is i think it's diversity versus speed it actually is opposing each other sometimes you want a team to have a diverse competence uh, or be team members to have different competences but it actually slows the team down in the long run you can't have this or in the long run you need to have diversity but in the short run you just didn't need them to work and when you recruit people i think we all are in growing organizations this is a trouble and uh, how you should think when you recruit here is a big question for me. Mm -hmm. Okay, Marcus, let's hear your opinions then. Right, love to answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, first of all, I, I think um, uh, I, I come from other industries uh, prior to gaming, and um, I can honestly say that other industries might be way more difficult to have a diversity in uh, compared to gaming. So uh, I, I think right now it feels quite simple or way easier in a way to find the diversity in in every single direction uh, regarding if it's gender, culture, uh, whatever. So uh, we and and it's kind of nat it's coming natural when we are when we are recruiting and of course it might be that we have a more uh, single gender in one area compared to another but since we are working with both developers and then we have the creative people the artists and game designers you get the diversity uh, super super naturally and also 
uh, the diversity in cultures and backgrounds and everything we get from hiring people all over the world. So, mm -hmm. so I think I, I, I had this problem and, and kind of struggled with it and were thinking how, how can we create a more diversified uh, space or <laughs> work culture. But right now it's kind of like, it's just there. Regardless, we want it or not, or what we want, it's kind of uh, it's just we just got it, which which is awesome. Uh, yeah. But but I also think that of course, and and to answer your question as well, is that it's super super important I think to have a diversity in the in the company because it creates a better stronger company, and it's more fun, to be honest. <laughs> no, it's a it's a really good point that. Um, yeah. Patty, let's hear from you before I hear from Diana on this. Uh, I think it's all about the people. Uh, it, it's more about their skills and, and who they are as, a per, as people and their personalities. And the diversity should start from there. Um, I, I know it's, it's very, very nice to hear that from a woman and that I could come and come all feminist and say, no, you have to hire more women. I am a very weird person because uh, every time I, I applied for a company, I wanted to be hired for what I am, what I studied, what I know, the skills I have, and not because someone has to uh, like feel a, a certain parameter that they have to have a few number of women or of mm. people in different cultures or different skin colors because otherwise they are going to be seen as racist coming out i don't want companies like that i want companies that see diversity because it's the diversity of skills of experiences of living backgrounds of that you can have only if you lived in different countries and if you traveled and if you had different uh, family histories and 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 i think uh, answering in regards because i think that the key to get that is in the recruitment process itself is to go beyond the curriculum and go beyond what is written there and how good the university is and and how prestigious are, are the companies that the person worked and to see what are the products that this person can create? What are, uh, what is the, uh, how do you feel when you are interviewing this person? What are the experiences that this pe person have also in personal life? Like being able to actually sit and have a conversation that is beyond how do you answer the, how do you solve this problem? Mm -hmm. And, and, really try to figure out the person and you how you're going to feel working with this person how the team is going to feel working with this person day by day is is the key and i wanted to raise just one before i go go so diana that it's very important that the manager understands that this is for the team not for the manager mm. the manager is going to be just managing that that's the what we do but the team has to work with this person every day. So it has to be someone that has not only diversity, but it has the right personality for that team that will actually fit and add value instead of, of creating conflict. I think that's a really interesting point because obviously the topic is creating high performance teams. So, you know, the, the most high performance team is going to be a mixture of 
the people that are like one best best at the role that they do not necessarily hired on like what they what they can bring to the team and what they do not based on like you know ticking a box or some something like that i think that's massively important and what you said there it might be that might not mean it's best for the manager if they've got like a some sort of diversity agenda to meet but necessarily the team's performance might actually be increased massively because they've brought in someone who's a much higher skill set or better for the role um so it is an interesting point so go on diana let's hear from you Oh, for me. So I do join Patty when I recruit somebody. I recruit an individual uh, who has the skills that we need because that's what we're all looking for at first. But yeah, again, we were looking also for a person. And sometimes I found myself to have having a very, very skilled, you know, a very skilled individual in front of me. But as a person, it's not going to bring you that much. Yeah. I also make the team uh, join for the recruitment process because they are the ones who's going to work with that individual more than I would. I will manage, yeah, but they need to work with them. So they also have to agree that that personality also fits with what they do, with what they are, with what the team that, you know, the type of team that we set up. So that is really important. And I already found myself, you know, like being divided with the team. Like, yeah, I like the person, but they see something else. One thing that I learned is to listen to my team. And that is very important uh, in that sense. I think that if they spotted something that I might not have, it's because, you know, probably if that person would not fit. Having somebody who's less skilled, but uh, skilled enough to do the job, um, but really fits the team, I think that is more important because skills, you can teach that person, you can push it to have those skills, but not to be somebody who, you know, that comes naturally, that's who you are, that's who that individual will be. So I've learned through this process like that, that it has to be, you know, the team has to be involved at some point and they have to fit with them, not only with me. Yeah. Yeah. most important with them um later on to have you know this kind of thing that you manage where you mentioned where um you know you 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 want to have that individual perform uh, and then in the long run you know have more out of that individual i think that in the long run once you have that that fits the team and everything and that person you know that can do the job also offer him a career path you know interesting and a little career path doesn't mean it means you know maybe uh, he's lacking of this type of things that he want to do sit down with a for my instance a, a coder that would show him how to code you know uh whenever we have a little bit of time in in between projects uh help an animator to become from uh, a, a junior to a mid-level or from a mid-level to a senior or start training him little by little to become a, a lead you know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of different things that everybody has an idea of what they want to what they want to do later on, and that is one way to have it to have the individuals gain more skills that will serve you in the long run, uh, and they'll be happy for it. So brilliant, yeah. yeah. Go on, Pai. Uh, it's just to finish. We could have another panel about this again. Like <laughs> we could do the individual panels of all these things, but I wanted to to drop a question today. It's like. When you are hiring, do you prefer a person that doesn't fit all the skill sets that you have, but has the perfect personality for your team? Or is, is, are the, those things that you wrote 
on the on the application like deal breakers for you how do you deal with that go on marcus go for it yeah uh, no i from from our perspective we always look into and uh, we we use the the what, what they actually write is just part one part of it and that's just getting into the door and uh, we, we might want a few things but uh, from experience the best ones that i ever worked with are the ones that haven't really had awesome uh, colleges universities or whatever uh, they have been more hungry and really wanted mm. a keen to learn and um, yeah. and we we really want to get the people that we feel are they want to be with us they want to hang with us they actually want to do something yeah and uh, and rather to have that one uh, even if they do not have every single uh, thing that we wished in the beginning it doesn't really matter rather to have someone that we think yeah, this is going to be perfect person to fit culturally with us that we're going to want to work with that we should have because we want to have fun during the days yeah <laughs> we, we actually want to hang with them i i really would need to fill in with marcus here saying that the thing is that when you recruit you believe you recruit for something but usually down the road you found out you were doing something else and if you have a strong individual that wants to work and wants to have fun, you can solve the rest. Whereas the opposite is really a problem. And, and that's, where the, that's where this diversity becomes more important. You need individuals that want to drive your company. Mm -hmm. it, from my perspective, in um, be, obviously being in recruitment and recruiting freelancers from a freelance perspective, it is been very very important i found speaking to hiring managers when they want to bring in like a consultant for like six to 12 months there a lot of managers say that the personality of the person is massively important compared to the like they've got to fit the culture of the team because if they're just going in there they've got to click with the team you know in a short space of time and then leave it's really to have that sometimes could disrupt a team and not make it so high performance, even though the skill set is, you know, brilliant and brilliant experience. So the cultural aspect of like bringing in the right personality and the right team, just from my uh, experience, bringing in freelancers, and then I suppose it's just as important bringing in, you know, full-time positions as well um, is a massive aspect. So yeah, that's just something I wanted to mention, but uh, go on, Rick, Ricard, is that, you know, from hearing from everybody there, has that answered your question? You got I, I love the that? answers I got them because it's it kind of strengthened my thesis that trust in individuals is more important than management and robots. But it's, <laughs> but then again, you need the systems. And I think we're going to have this, different systems in a few years from now because we're learning so much. People mm -hmm. are using Discord just to sit down and maybe talk, but not just to talk. Yeah. And uh, and that that is really something new it was not available five years ago mm -hmm. okay well that's uh, all four of our questions is anybody else got any uh, final points they want to mention or are we all okay to leave it there oh good i want another i want another podcast about recruitment because i want to fight <laughs> this <laughs> you're more than welcome patty next yeah one. You, the next one. <laughs> oh good stuff Right, well, thank you all. Thanks, Andy. Uh, it's been a good thank time. You.
no problem. Thank uh, you very much. Thank so you guys. we'll leave that there for this week. Um, it, this has been another episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. So I want to just take this opportunity quickly to thank Patty, Ricard, Marcus and Diana for being on there and sharing some really insightful stuff. And hopefully you listeners have got something from it. If you would like to get involved on one of our upcoming podcasts, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, but for now, we'll see you next time.